This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. A couple of stories we want to start with today. One is there's a new poll out uh, from, I believe it's Emerson. We'll have to ask Stu about it, uh, as he is our poll watcher and knows how these things work. Some good news, I guess, for Donald Trump coming out of this uh, latest poll. Also, HuffPo. One journalist questioned Hillary's health. He says what happened to him was Orwellian and quote, I'm scared. We begin there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Great. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Over the weekend, um, something has happened with the Huffington Post that I think people uh, need to be aware of. The Huffington Post has taken measures to revoke the publishing access to David Seaman. He is the Huffington Post contributor. He posted a video to YouTube after the HuffPo revoked his access and deleted two articles that he had published on Hillary's health. He says this has made him a little uh, frightened. Can you look, have you seen the David Seaman uh, video? I have not seen it yet on, on YouTube. Can you just... Look up David Seaman on YouTube and see if it's mm-hmm. out there. According to Seaman, he has a long-standing relationship with the Huffington Post, which included uh, hu- hundreds of successful articles that have been published under the banner. Uh, he reported the move by Huffington Post by live-streaming video of his reactions on YouTube. Here it is, Huffington Post, where I was a contributor. They have revoked my publishing access, and they've deleted both of my articles that were published earlier over the weekend. Both of my articles have been pulled without any notice of any kind, just completely deleted from the Internet. Both of these articles mention Hillary's health, which is uh, both a hashtag on Twitter and I link to a video that a YouTuber, Paul Joseph Watson, had uploaded August 4th showing signs that Hillary's health is quite poor. Whenever a video concerning a presidential candidate's health is viewed more than 3.5 million times, Somebody who is under contract to the Huffington Post and AOL should be able to link to that post. What do you think? He goes on to point that completely removing a published article from the Internet is unprecedented and leaves him, quote, a little scare of the next person to be vanished for criticizing the Clinton campaign. Quote, I've never seen anything like this. This is happening in the United States in 2016. It's chilling and I'm a little scared. I'm doing this video also to say I'm not suicidal right now. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. 
I'm not a particularly clumsy person, and I don't own a car at the moment. So if I slip in the shower over the next couple of days or something silly like that, you really have to employ probability and statistics here, because again, I'm not clumsy, and I'm not depressed. And he's but I am, serious, right? Yeah, but I am a person that is spooked out by this. I realize uh, some readers have been wondering, uh, after watching Paul Watson's video, uh, let's see here, this is, um, uh, let's see, fortunately we've discovered a version of the articles posted by Seaman which can be read uh, in it, he questions, and so this is part of his article. I realize readers might be wondering after watching Paul Watson's video, uh, how is she strong, healthy, after seeing all that? Look guys, I need to keep my job and platform. A lot of people read Huffington Post and AOL properties. We all know what happens when you speak a little too much truth about the establishment loved Clintons. Just ask longtime broadcaster Drew Pinsky. CNN canceled Drew Pinsky's HLN show. Drew on call just eight days after Pinsky made comments on a radio show questioning the health of Hillary Clinton. Pinsky's show, which is six years old, will air for the last time September 22nd. Unfortunately for Seaman, it turns out that even posting a question about Hillary's health is a little too much for the Huffington Post. I mean, a couple things on this one. You know, number one, uh, you know, Dr. Drew was on CNN this morning doing guest Yeah, and and I I don't know. I mean, don't cancel somebody's show. I mean, most shows on television are not canceled. I was a freak of nature to hold a number one rated show and then give my notice and be on the air for six solid months. If someone is being fired, they don't fire them and let them on live television, in my case, for six solid months. Yeah. You right. don't do that. If Drew was fired because of this, he would not be ending his show September 22nd. Right, because he could go on and do, I mean, I don't know, maybe his show was taped, but he could theoretically that go on. in advance, I doubt it. I'm saying, though, like he could be taped several hours earlier. I'm yeah, just saying that he could go on the air and just talk about this, I guess. I mean, if his show was live. Beyond, beyond that, though, like, I, there's a correlation versus causation thing here. And, like, you know, he, you know maybe his show just came to a, his run came to an end. There are, they're making other moves at that network right now. Yes. I, I, it's th- not exactly a healthy he, network at this point. And they're, they're seemingly changing it up with other yes. big changes, not yes. to mention that, it, you know, eight days. So he made a comment about the health of a presidential candidate, and then eight days later they're like, well, you're canceled? I mean, I, I, it's possible. It's possible. Uh, it's possible. But I, I, I don't it's think... It's not likely. It's not likely. It's not I, likely, yeah. It, I don't believe that to be true because he is on the air on CNN now. Right. I mean, they, they seem to have a good relationship yeah. with him, and they put yes. him in you know, prime time this morning to talk about Anthony Weiner. Right. Um, in which he had a, 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 a... He was doing the same thing, right? right? He was talking about someone's health. Right. A, and uh, I would the, say was probably more on the backing Clinton. One of the most watched videos of me on YouTube, I believe, is the real reason Glenn Beck was fired. Right. And it was yes. about me doing a show on the Fed and the... What is it? The monster on Jekyll Island or the creature right. from Jekyll Island. That, first of all, I wasn't fired, and that has nothing to do with the reason why I left. Nothing. But that is a big conspiracy theory mm-hmm. that is out there. there. There are people that benefit from having the conspiracy theory. Now, what is your thought on Huffington Post, though? Yeah, the one thing, I, the only thing I, I, I have no idea why Huffington Post did this or what the, the truth is behind it. I, you know, and hopefully he, this poor man doesn't slip in a shower. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, the uh, the only thing I would say is that the video he described, I believe, was an Infowars uh, Alex Jones link, and it's I wouldn't be shocked to to know to find out that Huffington Post anytime any of their bloggers link to uh, Infowars. Uh, they may have some. Well, he did of, link to Infowars. He, he just, yeah, the the video he described it kind of changes everything, doesn't it? I, I, it changes the I whole thing. I think it does. I mean, he, if somebody is linking to Infowars on my uh, Facebook page, I'm sorry, I yeah, delete it. I delete it. That that's just that's stupid. No, I don't. The, the video that they talk about, I haven't seen it myself. Um, although I've seen other people try to post the the compilation of Hillary Clinton having trouble getting up the stairs or whatever. Yeah. That was, um, she didn't. She just she, she slipped. Didn't. I know. We talked about that a it while. Was ago. Ice. It was cold. Yeah, right. it was. Yeah, it's true. Jeez. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know if this particular video from Infowars had anything other than just speculation about her health. Um, and there's nothing but, wrong with. I, I mean, I don't believe it. Um, and remember, I was the guy who said, look at the special glasses that she's wearing. I questioned Hillary's Clinton, Hillary Clinton's health before she was running for president. If you remember mm -hmm. right, two years ago, I she said... speculated she might not run because... She may of not her run because of her health. And it was because of the special glasses that she was wearing. And She had symptoms. received some sort of concussion or something. There yes. was some Correct. trauma there. So two years ago, I was speculating on her health. I, I just don't see... Anything other than Uma's uh, email that says she's often confused, I don't see any reason to question her health. I really don't. Um, and, and quite honestly, I mean, I don't have any reason to question Donald Trump's health. He looks amazing, doesn't look winded at all by a very rigorous campaign. Well, he's the healthiest candidate that would ever I know, be. And, but I don't believe his doctor. His doctor is nuts. Did you see the doctor? Uh, yes. Yeah. He's nuts. We saw him. And the reason why the doctor likes Donald Trump is because, quote, I think he likes me. Holy cow, what is that? It's very Trump-esque. It is. They belong it together, the it two is. of them. It is. So, um, uh, you know, I just don't see any reason for questioning uh, her health at this point. And I, I, again, I don't want to get, I mean, it's, we're talking about someone's health, so I don't want to get uh, too political and cynical here. But if you're going to do something uh, to try to defeat a candidate that is incredibly unpopular, making her into... Uh, someone who's suffering from an illness that might make some people feel sympathetic to her situation is not an advisable tactic. No. I mean, I understand that she's going to be president, and, and in theory, like, you know, we all worry about the president's health. But, I mean, remember, the Democrats try to do this to, to McCain as well. It's, it's, it's a long time. This is not a, a Republican there tactic. There is no difference between what is being done to Hillary Clinton than what Hillary Clinton did to Barack Obama with the birth certificate. Mm -hmm. That came from her camp. Mm -hmm. And I remember we were on the air when it was coming from the left. Yeah. During the campaign, we're like, are you kidding me? That's what you go after? The same thing with Hillary's health. This is what you go after? I know, there's so much. There's so much on Hillary Clinton. She is the most flawed candidate to ever run for president go after until this election Policies. <laughs> I mean, yeah. her I mean, policies are after her history, eminently attackable, and and uh, there's scandals. 
Yeah, I mean, and we could go through if you want at some point, maybe today, of uh, the uh, scandals. Uh, no, we cannot <laughs> do that in one day. No, no. It took us We've four days. Done it. Yeah, Glenbeck.com/slash/serials. Go listen yeah. to it. Um, but uh, we could go over the the democratic roots of the birther movement and go through the memo from the Clinton campaign. Yes, that outlines pretty specifically that the Obama's other make him look. Un-American, yep. make him look like he's a foreigner while Clinton is from the mid, uh, the Midwest. Um, that is, that was their tactic at the beginning of the campaign that they would emphasize the fact that she <laughs> was true blue American and he was, I don't know, all over the world. And he, you know, that is their tactic. They started it. Their memos prove that, and they continue to deny it. But you know, Hillary Clinton can continue uh, can can criticize Donald Trump on a lot of things, uh, but not the birther stuff. She can't do that. She is the one. Her campaign She's the founder outlined of the strategy. She's the founder. I will tell you that this, this guy at the Huffington Post brings up something that I think journalists should be concerned about. There is an effort to shut people up. No question. And there is an effort from the government to shut people up. You, you have the government under Barack Obama investigating reporters who are leaking things, investigating whistleblowers. You currently have a case that I'm involved in in Boston where the judge is saying, I have to release my confidential sources. First of all, I'm happy to say, I don't know the confidential sources. Stu was there the whole time. I specifically said the entire time, I don't want to know any facts that I can't go on the air with. And I certainly don't want to know the names of the confidential sources. I was asked by a reporter today. So this could mean jail time for somebody. Yes. You willing to go to jail for yes. And every reporter in America should be willing to go to jail for confidential sources. Everyone in America and everyone in America, left or right, better protect that. Otherwise, journalism as you know it is over. And remember, it is, we are bullying uh, the press. And I'm not sticking up for the press because the press sucks. The press has folded in the last eight years. Ugh. The press had better wake up. The precedent that you have set over the next eight years is only going to get worse. And all they're worried about is attacking the right. That's all they are. I mean, like some of the interviews you've done recently that are so misleading. They tell you they're about one thing and then they turn out to be about something completely different. Just did one this morning with that. Just did one like that. And and she's asking you if, if liars, if you included uh, Donald Trump in liars... <laughs> Uh, did you see the cover of the book? Here's a book that, here's a book that you, cover. Can, you can judge this book by its cover. <laughs> yes. You can actually judge this book by His its cover. face is on one of the cards. Yeah, but it's like... <laughs> and her response was, oh, oh, I see the cards. I see the faces <laughs> on the cards. What? It's not exactly stealth like the old uh, Boston album. You remember the Boston's first album that everybody thought no. they were just, they were just, uh, first of all, they thought they were guitars, and then you realize they're actually flying, flying guitars, they're spaceships with cities on top. 
I, that took a while to realize that. It's taken this me is up right on now. the cover. It's not camouflaged. <laughs> well, that is a deep <laughs> piece of analysis right there. Yeah. That, is, that, is that is classic Pat Gray. It really is. In action. It really is. It really is. You know, I will tell you that um, th this, this shouting down of the press on both sides needs to stop. It needs to stop. Yeah. The idea that the press should go to jail for reporting. Does anybody think that, I mean, I can't think of a more, here, let's just do this. We don't need to say it out loud. The most despicable journalist, quote unquote, in America. Everybody know? Everybody got one? Okay, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah okay, okay I, think we, I think we're probably all thinking of the same guy. Most despicable. Do you think that person should go to jail for what they report? No, I mean, no, no. No, of course not. No, mm. wish they didn't have an audience, and they barely do, but I don't think they should go to jail. And I would stand up for their right to be so wildly wrong. This is where we need to be. We either believe in freedom of speech and the freedom of press, or we do not. And if you try to eat around the edges, I will tell you, anybody remember the name Alexander Litvinko? Remember him? Oh. Plutonium yeah. 210? Oh, yeah. 12, I was going to say. But no, no. I think it was 210. You should look it up. We'll take a, take a quick <laughs> break. Um, my Patriot Supply. <sighs> Bubbles always burst. Always. It used to be before the Fed that we would have a major depression about every 10 to 15 years. And the bubble would burst, and then it would be over within a year. There's no bailout for you and me. Are you ready for what might happen next? Being prepared and self-reliant is critical. It's how our grandparents survived. They used to can. They didn't go to the grocery store all the time. They used to can, and they would have a year's worth of food that they grew in their garden. We don't do that anymore. We don't can. We don't grow our own food. So what happens if things are disrupted, even for a few days? The average supermarket is replenished. The shelves are replenished up to 10 times every day. So what do you do? You prepare by putting food on your shelves that can sit there for 25 years if you need it. And quite honestly, hopefully you're never going to need a year's worth of food. But this will supplement if you lose your job or you fall onto hard times. My Patriot Supply is offering a four-week food supply for $99, 54% off the regular price. Order now. The $99 offer is not going to last forever. That is four weeks of food at about 70 cents per serving. Unheard of. Call now. Order with preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com or 800 200 7163 800-200-7163 Glenn Beck Want to see Glenn live? If you're coming to Texas, you can yeah! Join us at Mercury Studios in Dallas for a taping of Glenn's television show To reserve your seat, email tickets at glennbeck.com with your information That's tickets at glennbeck.com Mercury In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. 
okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. No, no, no. No. Pat is showing us the spaceships and guitar on the old Boston Boston album. (laughs) Now, we can't unsee, you know, what we now know is there, but we don't see how you missed this guitar, the spaceship. In the first place? And the earth. Or in the the city. If you look closely at it, I can see how you might not see it. But he studied it. You know he studied that. Oh, yes. He held that at night and rocked it to sleep. I did. (laughs) I probably slept with it under my pillow. Yeah. Uh, But, I mean, it is somewhat camouflaged. It's an optical illusion type. I don't. The liar's cover? (laughs) It's right there! In fact, like, if you look at the liar's. Trump is the first one you see. Right, because you're holding a a hand of five cards towards the reader of the book. Right. uh, And four of them have overlap, so you can't see their full faces. The only one you can fully see is Donald Trump. (laughs) Donald Trump. I mean, you can wreck out everybody else. Donald Trump full face face of Hillary Clinton and full face of uh, FDR. The card is. Half the face of. TR and uh, Barack Obama. Right. But the cards are at least partially covered. Yes. You can see the entire face. Both ears. He's the only one where you can see both ears, which was hard to cover both ears with Barack Obama. (laughs) But somehow or another, we we got it done. (laughs) Liars on sale now. Number one book in the country. Thanks to you. Back in just a second. The Glenn Beck Program. Eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. Let me go to Jamie in Florida. Hello, Jamie. You're on the Glenbeck program. Hi. Um, I just wanted to comment real quick about Hillary's uh, health and why people are focusing on it. Um, I think it's just that nothing else is sticking. It's I'm Benghazi and all of her other scandals throughout the years or decades now, and nothing is sticking. And it's not a matter of low information voters. It's just low concern voters. Yeah, but is is the health thing sticking? I mean, I, I've seen her speeches, and other than the times when she's coughing, nothing's nothing's wrong with her. Well, nothing is sticking. Two or three times. There might be something wrong with her. I, I don't know, but you're not going to get to the answer of this one. No. Uh, and and I, I don't. I, why do you think it's sticking, Jamie? Well, I don't. I don't know necessarily that it's sticking. I think it's just a desperate attempt to try to get people to care about something because right now it's like pushing yeah. a rope to yeah, get people okay. to yes. think about it. That's, that's fair. I, uh, that's I, a, I think that's fair. I think it's fair. I mean, I think, it, you know. Thanks, Jamie. At some point, uh, you no. know, you have to have a relationship with the truth. If you're going to report something, you have to have some facts behind it. But, I mean, I think any time a president runs, this is something 
that is looked into. We mentioned McCain before. People were like, John McCain, he will be past his life expectancy by the end of his first term. It wasn't actually true, but still, it was something that the left ran with like crazy yeah. in the 2008 campaign. I don't, I, I don't think there's a problem questioning her health. I mean, the coughing thing, the eye thing a few years ago. Um, yeah, and she admit. I mean, she went through uh, yeah. obviously some somewhat serious thing, but I mean, it wasn't anything life threatening. And right. And right now, she's well, it could have been. It could have been, it but she, been. Does, she seems to be doing much better. And well, they're saying that she's you know she's cutting back her. She's not doing interviews and everything else. Can I just say something? Oh, it's got nothing. Would you? No, it's got nothing to do. If your the guy you're running against is imploding, and you know that the press is going to ask you semi-tough questions. Tougher than Barack Obama, whatever. Yeah, I mean, semi-tough questions. And you're ahead at this point? Shut your mouth. Get off the campaign trail. I mean, I've seen multiple <laughs> articles multiple articles that have described their theory from insiders as running out the clock. They're yeah. just running the ball into the line three times and punting and hoping this right. thing is over. Yep. So, I mean, they she, even it if is, it gets uncomfortable, isn't planning on doing any press conferences. Nope. Not because she's not healthy. It's because she doesn't want to answer any questions and realizes that these she things has don't work nothing, out well. She has nowhere to go but down. She answers questions. She doesn't have any good answers. No. She has no good answers. When people interact through the media with Hillary Clinton. It's bad for Hillary Clinton. Oh, she's well, awful. She needs to just the disappear. More, we, what did we say a year ago? What would our campaign strategy be for Hillary Clinton? Go to Bermuda on vacation. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Stop reminding people how much we dislike you. Right. You're, <laughs> you're forgetting how good, though, she was in this particular appearance. Oh, 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 you know? Mm -hmm. I, I think we could, we could cut right through a lot of their... Oh, you know? Yeah, that's really, yeah. No, I, really good then. She's, she's really not, good. She's not good at this, and she doesn't need to change the <laughs> dynamic of this campaign right now. This is this is working for her right now. That may very well change. I hey. mean, they pulled out ad dollars out of states where they, that used to be swing states that they think they're ahead enough they don't have to compete anymore. Hillary has risky strategy. Yeah, I mean, I, they think that they have locked up a lot of these states. Trump is just starting to spend money. A million things could change. But right now, the way the look, the race looks, I will for her, this is, she just wants it to be over. Where she should worry is what Russia is going to do. Yeah. Uh -huh. Russia is all over her. All over her. Um, Dugan has selected his uh, winner, and it is Donald Trump. And Russia has selected their winner, and it is Donald Trump. And they are coming at Hillary Clinton, guns a-blazing. Now, I'm not sure that America will care, but that should, be, I mean, that's concerning on both levels, that Russia is now um, doing something else that I, I not only are they, are they hacking in to find information, and WikiLeaks, which is wholly owned and operated at this point by Vladimir Putin, um, they are getting, WikiLeaks is getting all of the intel that the Russians are getting, and they are using WikiLeaks as a laundromat, and they're just laundering the information and pushing it out. WikiLeaks has come out and said, we have much more to come on Hillary Clinton. There will be an October surprise on Hillary Clinton. I, again, don't know if anybody will care, but that should concern people that, A, what do the Russians have on Hillary Clinton? B, that nobody seems to care that Russia is hacking into our, our systems here in America. 
and three, uh, that Donald Trump is the, is the candidate of Putin and uh, uh, Dugan, that should concern, mm -hmm. and what we found out yesterday, the fourth point, and that is that they are now hacking in to our uh, election uh, process and our state election headquarters. This should be disturbing for this reason. Dugan wants a civil war in America. Dugan wants civil unrest. Putin wants civil unrest. So what's the best way to get civil unrest? Anybody who is helping us to the place to where we don't believe in anything anymore is not good, is not good. You have to tell the truth, but anyone who is, uh, for instance, Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders saying that the election was rigged. It wasn't rigged. Those were the rules, Bernie. Those were the rules. It wasn't rigged against you. It was rigged against anyone in the establishment. And those have been the rules for the DNC for decades. It's also uh, rigged against someone who loses by four million votes. Yes. That, is, uh, that tends to be. So to, to disenfranchise people and say that the election was rigged, no, you have to say that the DNC has set these rules out decades ago to not respond to the American people, and it's wrong. That you can say. And we need to change that before the next election in 2020. That you can say. But to say that she stole the election, she didn't steal the election. I mean, we obviously liked Ted Cruz quite a bit. Was the election rigged against Ted Cruz? Nope. No. Donald Trump won no. it fair and square. I mean, he went out, I don't like the way he did it. I didn't like some of the stuff he did in the election, but he won. He won by enough votes. Yep. He he played it's not know, rigged. He was the one claiming it was rigged. Right. Um, but he, you know, it wound up benefiting him because the rules uh, helped somebody who wins by a little to get more than that share of electoral so, or, uh, delegates. So here's what here's what Vladimir Putin and Dugan are doing. They're breaking in so they can give us doubt in the end. In the end, I guarantee that if Hillary Clinton wins. The, um, the excuse will be that the elections were rigged, the Democrats rigged it, or the Russians rigged it. Both of those are dangerous because one leads to the ratcheting up of civil war and the other one ratchets up war war. If you think that the Russians stole the election, well then what? do you do about it? And by the way, if they can get in to, we know that they've hacked the Pentagon now, we know that they have hacked Hillary Clinton, we know that they have hacked the DNC, we know that they're hacking state, do you not think that they can hack our electrical grid? Do you not think that they can hack uh, our, our nuclear power plants? Are, 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 do you not think that they could hack into our banking system? If they can hack into the Pentagon, I'm pretty sure they could hack into our banking system. We, uh, you know the one person that we should have on that is not running, has nothing to do with politics at this point, but America owes a gigantic apology to? Mitt Romney. He may be wrong on just about every other 
political point on big government, but he was the only guy that said Russia is our biggest foe. We weren't even there. I don't yeah. think he's wrong in that much. I mean, he's 70 percent guy. Yeah, he's well, a, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but he's mushy. He's five seventy percent guy. Yeah, but he's mushy. Right, yes. but the Russia thing. I mean, Barack Obama should could come out and apologize for what, yes. the way he. I mean, look, I know he's never going to do that. Obviously, he he went on apology I, tours. I will tell, uh, you. but he was not going to do that for Mitt Romney. But I mean, you know, he remember the mockery was the 1980s called. They want their foreign policy back. Oh yeah. I mean, he was 100 percent right on the threat that Russia. I would um, like to know what did he know? Did he know about Dugan? What did he know at that time that made him say that? We'll never know because he's no certainly one, not going to tell us. No, he's not going to come on our show. <laughs> no. Nope. Hates our guts. <laughs> but, I would, but I would love to know. I would love to know. What did you see and what do you see now? Mm -hmm. Because he was right. And um, this should be very concerning for all Americans. Quickly, I'm going to take a break and come back. Can you give us the polls from the Emerson... Uh, yeah, uh, three state polls, uh, all of which are somewhat favorable for Donald Trump. And we'll do that coming up in just a second. Also, at the top of the hour, our uh, serial, we're in day number two. Day I think one. this is uh, day one. Yeah. of uh, oh, it's today, day one. Yeah. Yeah. Education. Education. And what happened to, this is an amazing serial, what happened to education in America? How did we get here? And where are we headed next? We have that coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, in our serial, and you can listen to our serials uh, at any time for free at glenbeck.com slash serials. Now this, recent survey shows that nearly 50% of consumers use free public Wi-Fi at coffee shops or other locations once a month for personal activities like online banking and email and shopping. Don't do that. Hotspots are not using secure networks, so don't use um, social media and don't use any kind of credit card transactions in a hot spot, don't do it. Um, the fastest growing crime in America is identity theft. And they will take your information, pretend it's you, they can liquidate your um, bank accounts, they can buy things on your credit, uh, they can get your retirement funds. And don't think that the Russians aren't part of this as well. This is why I have LifeLock, Pat has LifeLock. We've had it um, for many, many years, and both Pat and I have had our butts pulled out of the fire by LifeLock. You'll get a, um, they, they, they monitor thousands of, millions of transactions every single second. And if they notice that something is out of whack, somebody is opening something new, or just your spending is different, they will bring it to your attention and say, hey, did you just, did you just apply for this insurance? Did you just open this credit card? And most times, in fact, every time but one, we've said yes. If you say no, then they work to help you clean that up and figure out what's going on. Nobody else does that. Membership starts at $9.99 plus sales tax. Go to lifelock.com or call 1-800-440-4936. If you use the promo code BECK, you get 10% off your LifeLock Ultimate Plus membership is what I have. Call 1-800-440-4936, 1-800-440-4936. It's lifelock.com, promo code BECK. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
the Glenn Beck program. Let's go. Uh, let's go look at some of the polls. I guess there's a new poll out from Emerson that supposedly looks good for Trump. Is that yeah? Who's uh, do? Um, I think so. Um, it uh, it has it's it's a battleground state poll. Has uh, three states: Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. Um, all of which are, I think, um, optimistic uh, results for uh, for Donald Trump. Uh, the poll uh, is a it's a little bit out of step for some of the states. Um, give you a quick uh, rundown here: um, Clinton and Trump even in Ohio. Um, wow. Uh, only Trump only behind by five in Michigan, mm-hmm. and only behind by three in Pennsylvania. And again, we, if you listen to us walk through the um, electoral stuff. He's got to have Pennsylvania. Right, Pennsylvania's an important state to me, to Donald Trump. Um, so him being within three, obviously striking distance is, is important. Uh, the the poll, it's an Emerson poll. Um, it's a average rated pollster. It's not great, but not horrible. It's, it's interesting the way that they do it. It's, uh, it's a, not a live call um, poll, which is generally considered to be the best uh, quality. Um, and it's done, it appears to be done by students, um, which is kind of interesting. Its methodology, however, will weight it towards how people voted in 2012, and they'll throw out. That's, it, not, it, that's yeah. not good. There's problems with that, and I know it, it's on its surface makes sense. Okay, well, if someone voted for Romney, we should make sure that that percentage is right so we have the, the representation. What they found over the years is that people tend to misreport their uh, past voting, particularly if they voted for the loser, because people don't like to be associated with voting for the quote-unquote wrong candidate or the losing candidate. So what the complaint about these polls is that it weights um, the Republicans more. Anyone who voted for Mitt Romney gets more weight to it. They're also throwing out um, people uh, who finished the uh, survey too quickly um, uh, or too long. Uh, they're, uh, they have like a bunch of really weird things that they've done with this poll, which is not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean People it is wrong. People are trying to figure out which is the best way because polls exactly right. are not working the way they used to. It's hard to get in touch with people now. Yeah. And it's hard to figure out what the best way expense-wise is to, to do polling. What do you believe, what do you think of this theory that Trump is polling worse because uh, people are embarrassed to say that they're voting for Donald Trump? Uh that's the Bradley effect is what that's known as. Uh, it's named after, um, I think it was a mayor of Los Angeles back in the day where people th- were underreporting. Bill uh, Bradley. Right, yeah. yeah. No, uh, it, I can't think of his no, name. No, not Bill Bradley. He no. was the guy. Is it Ed Bradley? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, it's been every single campaign. Milton Bradley? Some, it's Milton Bradley, <laughs> that's it. Uh, <laughs> every single campaign, someone thinks that the Bradley effect is going to happen. And since Bradley, the reason it's called the Bradley effect is because it happened like that one time and has very rarely been repeated. Uh, you know, it could be on the margins a yeah, little bit. Yeah, but this is Tom Bradley. This is one. Yeah, Tom, that's right. This is one. What, what did Tom Bradley do? Uh, he was, uh, he was, it was a mayoral race. There was, I, if I remember this right, a black candidate who was, mm-hmm. looked like he was winning. And then everyone realized that, oh, wait a minute, they were all voting for the white dude. Uh, and then he wound up winning, if I remember right. Um, but, and there's an element of this poll that actually backs that a little bit, because if people say they didn't vote in 2012, they're getting thrown out of the survey, which I think actually is favors Trump. Yeah, big time. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
Uh, hello, America. I want to share one poll with you today because there's some great polls that are out um, on how toast is America. Uh, uh, and do you have a better, do you have a more favorable opinion of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump or the middle seat of an airplane? We'll get, we'll get into that. Also, some really sad news about Gene Wilder. Uh, some reflections on him uh, coming up. And our serial today begins at the bottom of the hour, about, uh, about half past this hour. Uh, and it is on American education. How did we get here where education is so bad? It used to be the envy of the world. And now it is at the bottom of the bottom. We get into that with our serial begins in about a half hour. But also, we I think we're going to start a little bit uh, here with America is toast, a new poll that is out. We begin there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. New poll. 51% of the respondents were men. I'm sorry, were women. 49% men. 35% of the respondents were Republican. 38 Democrat. Here are the questions. Can I ask you some non-traditional questions that were developed from actual comments by regular working Americans at bars and taxis and sporting events and at pizza joints across the country? Question number five. Thinking about the candidate for president of the United States, would you prefer a candidate who sells fake degrees or a candidate that sells out the country? <laughs> Which one? Take degrees. Obviously, uh, the mm -hmm. question seems to be weighted towards Donald Trump. That he that fake degrees would be better. Obviously, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, thirty-six percent chose sell out the country. Sixty-four percent said sells fake degrees. Thirty-four percent. I'd rather have the one that. Now, I think most of those people are probably saying, "Wait a minute." Obviously, they're talking. One of them is obviously Trump. I want the right. other one. Right. That's how, I mean, you know, I think people are doing a little math internally as they're answering that question. The next choice is, would you prefer a candidate who is financially bankrupt or one who is morally bankrupt? <laughs> I mean, this, <laughs> I wish we had that choice. 29% chose morally bankrupt. 71% uh, chose uh, financially bankrupt. Mm. I love, people are playing with the polls a lot. I, it's funny because... Um, I don't remember there being this much attitude in polling until very recently. Like, it uh -huh. used to be really boring. Here's a bunch of things. Here's a bunch of cross tabs. It's boring. Um, unless you're, you know, a loser, <laughs> um, which I happen to be. Right. Um, so You've always found them exciting. I always, I'm always interested in them. But, like, for example, uh, public policy polling, which has uh, summarized as PPP and is a, uh, you know, a nice boring name. <laughs> Seems to be walking this bizarre line between pollster and wise ass on Twitter, um, <laughs> which is like I don't, 
<laughs> I, I, it feels like eventually something's going to happen that's going to burn this formula because it doesn't feel like the right formula. They're a Democratic pollster, although their House effect, uh, the bias in their polls actually slightly leads towards Republicans historically. So they're, you know, they're generally you know, believed to be a fair pollster. Uh, their rating is uh, it's pretty solid. It's a B plus. Five thirty eight rates them as a B plus pollster. So they uh, they asked they just did a poll um, a nationwide poll of Trump. First of all, I have to tell you the favorability unfavorability among African American voters because it's notable. This is a nationwide poll. Uh, unfavorable ninety seven percent. Oh my gosh. Undecided three percent. Do I need to tell you what the favorable percentage was? Wow. Zero. A 0% favorability among African-American voters. You know, I will tell you, that goes to um, my theory on why Donald Trump, and we talked about this last week, why Donald Trump keeps giving these speeches to African-Americans in white communities. Yeah. It's not about African-Americans. It's not about African-Americans. It's trying to convince white voters, right? Trying to convince white women in particular Mm -hmm. That he's not a racist, that he's he doesn't have a problem with blacks, and so he's not going because he can't draw a crowd, right? And, and it would not be a friendly crowd if he did uh, in inner cities, and so he's not going to black neighborhoods. And there's very little upside there. I yeah. mean, even if he was a great candidate among mm-hmm. African American voters, uh, maybe he would get 10 percent of the vote. The, that's the issue. I mean, Stephen Smith, the sports commentator, comment, Stephen A. Smith, the sports commentator, has brought this point up before in that, like the. There's no, there's no incentive for either side to go and talk to the African-American community because every single time it's 95 to 5. So it doesn't seem to matter what anybody does. Right. Um, now, Trump talking to white women, is, is he's doing that because he's po- uh, performing traditionally poorly among that group. And the belief is it's not because they disagree with his policies. It's that they just feel like he's kind of a racist and they feel uncomfortable supporting it. I really like your douchebag uh, example. That's, a, that's an odd sentence. Well, it's actually your douchebaggery example. Yes. Uh, the, the theory is now, that— This is a stew theory, and I think this is pretty good. Uh, the, th- the theory is that Donald Trump, is he a racist? You know, I mean, uh, I don't think so. I think the— overarching thing you could say about every one of the problems you have with Donald Trump is he's just a douche. So like he's a guy it, because now listen to this. He's <laughs> this is good. Have you guys heard this theory yet? <clears throat> listen to this. This is good. Because he's a douche. <clears throat> he is he has elements uh, of douchery that flow through him often. So he will bring up a point here and there and it will seem like is this guy racist? No, he's just kind of a jerk, right? He's just He's a, he's a douche. So uh, he will he brings up things and inflames things in certain ways that just makes him. It's why every business partner uh, complains about their activity with him afterwards. It's why he you know he's constantly walking the line of whether it's ethical or not. It's why he's suing people all the time. It's not because he's interested in the law. It's because he's a douche. Uh, it's it's that's just the way he is, and he surrounds himself. Uh, 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 with other people that are also incredibly douchey. Uh, you look at the, the loyalists uh, of, of uh, Donald Trump, the people like Michael Cohen, who have, you know, who call up reporters and tell them that he scream at them and say they're going to ruin their lives if they run a story, and claim that it's impossible to 
be guilty of raping your wife to defend Donald Trump. Again, like these stories, uh, you know, they might be unfair stories, but I'm not surrounded by anyone who would do anything like that. Right. Would you do you know anyone in your life that would call someone up and say, by the way, I'm going to ruin your life. And if you don't get pull this story down and, you know, you're wrong because you can't rape your wife. It's impossible legally to rape your wife. What the hell are you talking about? Wives lose their uh, their ability to say no to sexual encounters. That is I don't remember that in the vows. (laughs) Right. Uh, And thank God it's not in there. Um, This is not Sharia law. We don't live under that system. Thank God. Um, so uh, it's just a, I think that is the, I think that's what people sense, right? Well, because they see him as somebody who's different, uh, than a politician when he does a lot of the same things that politicians do many times at a much more extreme level, but he's just, people see it as different because he's outwardly being douchey often. So, but you explained this, I think better yesterday off the air to me and you said, but then he is endorsed by really douchey people who are racist. Yeah. And so you, like the casual observer, gets the rub off of, of the other douchey people around him. Yes. And, and so it's not just his inner circle who are all douches, <laughs> but also the people who endorse him that are that are racist douches. Yes, and that happens a lot. I, and I think that also goes to uh, the weird sort of loyalty that Donald Trump provides. Um, like with his doctor. Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, yeah, the doctor I think is yeah, a The doctor, example. what he said this last weekend, he really likes Donald Trump because Donald Trump likes him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Lewandowski. Lewandowski is another good example. Yeah. Um, Katrina Pearson's a great example of this. Oh, Katrina geez. Pearson has done... I mean, objectively, a terrible so job terrible. As, as, his, so as his spokesperson. Awful. Even if you like Trump, you're like, oh, come on. No, d- no, d- Barack Obama is not responsible for a soldier that died in 2004. I mean, I, these are obvious. No, Barack Obama didn't get us into the war in Afghanistan. She objectively has done a poor job. And I don't, th- I don't think she's a bad person or anything like that. But she, she's in a little bit over her head here. So, but it's, it's amazing because he's very loyal to her. And I feel like Trump has a, a strange kind of loyalty, which is, if someone's just loyal to him because they like their policies, that doesn't mean much to Donald Trump. I think what means a lot to Donald Trump is someone who's loyal to the level that they're willing to embarrass themselves for him. Mm-hmm. If they will, if they will be, if they will go out and say the most. Chris Christie's a good example. If they will stand there like a soldier behind him and look like, and then go on TV and argue every point that they agree, disagreed with last so week, then th- that's that means true. something to him. If that's true, then why isn't Sarah Palin everywhere? He has dumped Sarah Palin like nobody's business. I, you know, I don't, it could just sure. be. She, she's an anomaly. Because everybody else, you know, you're right, he embraces and he keeps The alt-right, I think, is a him. good example of this as well. I mean, yeah. they, you know, him retweeting people that you know, with white genocide in their screen name, he, you know, while he'll come out and say, uh, you know, he obviously disavows those ideas. And I mean, he did, and he quickly did it with David Duke yesterday. David Duke is like, he... They, they know, they've learned that lesson. Yeah, they came out hard, <laughs> right. fast. Hard and fast yesterday. against, and we should play that audio at some point. Yeah. Um, but he, but... It's something about that level of I will go on on the TV and say anything to support you. It's a it's not loyalty that he respects. It's blind loyalty that he respects. Uh, And it's it it is. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it. It's it's interesting because that's why he gets those people around him that are willing to say, hey, you can't rape your wife legally. 
because they'll say anything for him. They're that dedicated, whether it comes from financial rewards or cult of personality or whatever it comes from. He seems to be able to collect those types of people around him often. As the grand nozzle of the douche hall of fame, Donald Trump would find it very easy to surround himself with other <laughs> douchey people. Just uh, let's play the audio from David Duke, because ah, this, this, this was rejected immediately from the Trump campaign. But don't pay attention to his endorsement to Trump. Instead, pay attention to this guy's running for the Senate. Hi, this is David Duke. I'm sorry I missed you. I'm running for U.S. Senate, and I'll tell the truth that no other candidate will dare say. Unless massive immigration is stopped now, we'll be outnumbered and outvoted in our own nation. It's happening. We're losing our gun rights, our free speech. We're taxed to death. We're losing our jobs and businesses to unfair trade. We're losing our country. Look at the Super Bowl salute to the Black Panther cop killers. It's time to stand up and vote for Donald Trump for president and vote for me, David Duke, for the U.S. Senate. I'd love to hear from you. To find out more, contribute or volunteer, go to davidduke.com. Go to davidduke.com. Together we'll save America and save Louisiana. I will tell you that I'm a skeptic, uh, David. Uh, that you're I am a very that. big. I'm not thinking about contributing or volunteering. No, um, it, it is. Um, it's interesting to me that the KKK always has a resurgent, a resurgence, in the progressive eras. Always has a resurgence in the progressive time periods. Always, isn't that strange? that these guys find power in those, in those days. And they are both big government solution guys. Hmm. 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 You, know, you look at the alt-right, and it's not right. It's left. It is big government. It is European right. It is big government, American left. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, true. What uh, do they have in common? They both hate Jews, uh, and they both want big government. Now, they, they both have that in common. They both love socialism. They both love big government power. They both love strong men, both sides on the extreme fringes. Yeah, and remember— And they both hate Jews. And the immigration thing, you know, is now seen as this liberal, you know, issue. But, I mean, progressives—I mean, unions were very anti-immigration. And I'm not talking about illegal so immigration. Yeah. They, they were very anti Chavez used to beat illegal immigrants yeah. when they came across the border. Right. He beat them. Yeah. He had his thugs out there beating immigrants as they came across the border, and now he's celebrated, and streets are named after him all across America. It's unbelievable. People have no idea of the history of these people in this country. That sounds like another. Peek into it. That sounds like another uh, serial. Yeah, it does. Cesar Chavez on one day. Let's look at all of the heroes of the left. Che, mm. uh, uh, Cesar Chavez, and show all of the people that they love and who they really are. By the way, today we begin our serial on education. As Pat just said, nobody has any clue. Why is that? The history of American education coming up in uh, just a second. Now, our uh, sponsor for this hour is ZipRecruiter. You need to hire somebody, but you don't have enough time um, and... Um, you know, you don't have time to hire somebody and 
you, you don't have time to hire somebody because you have to hire somebody. Get off the treadmill and use ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post on 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single quick uh, click. You can find candidates in any city, industry, anywhere, nationwide. Post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. With the interface, you're not going to have to juggle the emails or calls to your office. You can just screen them, rate them, and hire the right person fast. ZipRecruiter, already been used by over a million businesses nationwide. Post your job on ZipRecruiter for free. Try it out for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. We have an absolutely great serial that begins today on education coming up in just a few minutes uh, and some really good ones. We have unions and this truth behind unions coming up. I will tell you that, you know, I just said a few minutes ago that it's amazing how um, the Klan always has a rise uh, when the progressives are in office. There's a reason for that, and Dinesh D'Souza uh, points this out. Does anybody remember, you know, they're saying, this is, not, this is crazy, that's not what the Democrats are, they're not the Klan. Uh, does anybody remember, I think it was Bill Clinton who came out and said, you know, Robert Byrd, you have to excuse him for the Klan membership. In those days, you had to be a member of the Klan to run for a Democratic office. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Was, I don't know if that's an exact quote, but that's yeah. pretty darn close. Paraphrasing what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it was paraphrased the same way. It was the excuses made for Barack Obama for being in Jeremiah Wright's yeah. church. It was like, well, you're going to run for office in that community. You had to go to the, the, the yeah. big church in the community. Right. Um, again, that? that should never be an excuse for a politician. How are the polls? We started talking about the polls and the, the comedic polls for oh, yeah. the PPP. Can you go back to that? Yeah. So um, uh, who, who do you have a more uh, better opinion of? among African-American likely voters. Uh, personal injury lawyers, 65%. Trump, 15 um, Middle seats on airplanes, uh, <laughs> 62% to about 18%. Uh, that one would be really close. Yeah. I'd have a tough choice <laughs> That's tough. between the That's two tough. of them because I hate the middle seat on an airplane. All seats are middle seats to Jeffy, by the way. Okay. It's, uh, That's a good point. Uh, uh, the car <laughs> Carnies. Uh, carnival workers, carnies, mm -hmm. uh, if about 50% prefer carnies to Trump, uh, about 18% uh, Trump. Um, Ryan Lochte, uh, who was just in a scandal, that's, uh, he's got a, a decent lead, 50 to 18. Oh, please. 50 uh, to 18? should be much yeah. bigger. Come much on. bigger. He's with carnies? No offense to carnies. Right. <laughs> junk mail. Okay. 62% of African Americans prefer junk mail to only 20%. Of, uh, <laughs> of for Trump, mosquitoes. <laughs> mosquitoes win uh, as well, about fifty-five to twenty-five. Um, public restrooms, 
Uh, yeah, Trump loses again to public restrooms by it's about unbelievable. A 55 to 20. You think margin. that there's, is this just, do you think you're taking this and you just, it's a joke? Oh, yes. yes. I mean, so you're going to just answer yes yeah, to all of these things. Yeah, I mean, you I, really had to choose between the two. I think you're going Trump, right? Well, especially in this next one, which is a bubonic plague. Yeah. Uh, bubonic plague is victorious over Trump uh, by a 50 to 35 margin. Yeah, that's <laughs> and finally, bed bugs squeaks it out over about 50 to 40. But I, he wasn't within 10 points on any of these questions, which is problematic, <laughs> I think, for the campaign going forward. What if Donald Trump had the bubonic plague uh, in a public restroom where he had a mattress riddled with bed bugs? <laughs> I, that, that's, what happens then? That's the sort of. But that's your only choice. That's and a vote for anything else is a vote for Trump. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Was college education in America meant to be free? For that matter, was any education meant to be free? Is education a right in the United States? What did our founders intend? Well, they certainly didn't include free public education in the Constitution, as historian David Barton discusses. The founding fathers were big for education, but not in the federal constitution. It was an unenumerated power. The federal constitution gave the federal government the authority to do 17 different things. Outside of that, the 10th Amendment said, if it's not an enumerated power, it belongs to the states. And so education was always a state issue and they taxed for education, and they did not see a problem with taxing for it as long as you got the right product. Now, here's the difference. They wanted a learned citizen, a learned student to become a learned citizen, and they did not believe there was only one way to achieve that. Therefore, they funded every conceivable form of education that existed. They were all into school choice. They just wanted a kid who could read and write, had virtue and had morality and, and understood accountability to God. And so there were seven or eight or nine different forms of education back then. You had what were called common schools, which is what we would call public schools today. Common schools took everyone in on tax money, but they also used tax money for parochial schools. They used it for what were called the dame schools or the old field schools. They used it for cotton schools. There were all sorts of different forms of education, and they just wanted educated kids, so they were willing to pay for all of that. Homeschooling was also very big in that, and tutoring was big in that. And if you wanted to go to college, you could, but you had to pay a tuition as, as you went to college. While many proponents of public school believe that the founders were among the most ardent supporters, it is also true that most of America's founders were themselves homeschooled or self-educated, including Thomas Jefferson, widely considered to be the most intelligent among them or as compared with most anyone in history, with an estimated IQ well into the genius range at 160. After spending most of his schooling at home with a few years at a private academy, Jefferson entered the College of William and Mary at the age of 16. To a man, America's founders knew the critical importance of educating the populace of their new nation. Without proper knowledge, the Republic could not survive. 
But even so, as previously mentioned, the founders did not include public education in the U.S. Constitution, nor did they see fit to set up some sort of national system. Instead, they left education to the states and municipalities, as Barton explains. Founders were strong proponents of education, strong proponents of education, and they were strong proponents of government having a role in education. Now, not the federal government per se. They saw the federal government having a role in education when it came to federal territories. Education itself was run largely in the local areas, local communities, and by the states. Long before the supposed father of modern American education, socialist John Dewey came up with his vision for schooling America's youth a century or so later, Barton explains the original founder of American education. Uh, There's a great piece done by Dr. Benjamin Rush in 1790. And at that point in time, we have just finished no longer being 13 nations or 13 colonies, if you will. 1787, the Constitution is written. 1788, it's ratified. 1789, it goes into operation. And so in 1790, Dr. Benjamin Rush, and Dr. Benjamin Rush, by the way, is is probably one of the top three educators in American history. Uh, He is called the father of public schools under the Constitution. He signed the Declaration, ratified the Constitution. But he does this piece. He says, all right, what we have here is we now have a nation. We used to be 13 separate nations. Now we're one nation. What type of education does it take for the nation to survive? No longer are we concerned about just our states, but now the nation. And so his piece is called On the Mode of Education Proper in a Republic. And he goes through and he says, well, first off, we all know that education has to be grounded in religion. If you do not have religion, you will not have morality, and you cannot sustain without religion and morality. So he talks about how important that is at the national level, that every every aspect of education inculcate religion and morality. And by the way, the federal government agreed in the sense that when they made their stipulations for what it took for a territory to become a state, and that's the only way they saw themselves involved in education was in the territories, they also required that religion and morality be the basis of what you taught in education in the territories. So they start there, but Benjamin Rush also then goes further and he says, now, the purpose of education should be, number one, to teach students to love and serve God, number two, to love and serve their country, and number three, to love and serve their family. And he sees that as the three great objectives of education. From Barton's description of Benjamin Rush's intent for education, it's plain to see just how far we've strayed from what this important founding father and others intended. In fact, we now experience the exact opposite of that education and intent. Rush, who graduated from Princeton at the age of 14, also realized the importance of character in order for America to survive. So they start there, but Benjamin Rush also then goes further and he says, now, the purpose of education should be, number one, to teach students to love and serve God, number two, to love and serve their country, and number three, to love and serve their family. And he sees that as the three great objectives of education. Knowledge academically was a given, but they thought character was more important than academics. And Benjamin Rush specifically says that if you try to teach knowledge without teaching character, then you will have done it a service because students will then take that knowledge and will use it to destroy the nation or to destroy the cities or use bad character to get what they want for themselves. It's, it's harmful. So they were very much into education. They did not think America could survive without it but they were very, very specific on the content they thought had to be included if you're going to have successful education. 
So how was this education they envisioned to be paid for? Bounty fathers were big into taxes for education. Just like they were big into taxes for national defense or other things, they believed that it should come from public funding because it was something that serviced the public that caused, it, that caused the, the community to be sustained. You cannot have, as Thomas Jefferson said, you can't be ignorant and free. If you expect to be ignorant and free in a state of civilization, he said you expect what never was and never will be. So if you wanted to be free, you needed to pay for that. And you only had freedom if you had educated people who understood history, who understood government, who understood constitution, who understood reading. Uh, as a matter of fact, John Adams himself said that in, in Massachusetts particularly, to find an illiterate student, you're more likely to find a comet than you are to find an illiterate student, a student who could not read and write. And it didn't matter what class you came from. It didn't matter whether you were a farmer or a merchantman. It didn't matter whether you were the, the children of teachers or the children of preachers or the children of the poor. You knew how to read and write. And so that was the basis. Now, we're at a point in America today where we average $164,000 to send a student through 12 years of school. And over the last 15 years, we were averaging 19% illiteracy among high school graduates. 19% of those who come out of high school can't read their own diploma. And you compare that to where they were back in their day, where that, as John Adams said, you're more likely to see a comet than you are to find someone who's illiterate. Obviously, things have gone wildly wrong since the early days of education in this republic. America has gone from a country comprised of three million people who were mostly farmers and laborers who somehow had the ability to comprehend intensely sophisticated concepts and writings like the Federalist Papers, so much so that 85 Federalist Papers that were published appeared in the daily newspaper. America has gone from that beginning to a people that can barely comprehend Charlie Brown's peanuts in their newspapers and have an illiteracy rate higher than the America of 1776. What? happened. Progressivism. Intellectuals from American universities, especially Ivy League schools, were at the forefront of this movement. Dignitaries who were renowned progressives like Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes and the aforementioned philosopher John Dewey led the way to profound change. Another major influence was the former Unitarian minister turned humanist C.F. Potter. As a minister, some of Potter's issues included his disbelief in the infallibility of the Bible, the virgin birth, the divinity of Christ, and the second coming, all of which would seem to be a problem for a Christian and his resolute support of evolution, so much so that he was an advisor to Charles Darrow in the Scopes trial. Potter's progressive ideas led him to found, in 1929, the first Humanist Society of New York, whose advisory board included Dewey, Julian Huxley, Albert Einstein, and Thomas Mann. Together with Dewey, Potter was one of the original 34 signees of the first Humanist Manifesto in 1933. As a nice topping for this progressive cake, Potter was also the founder in 1938 of the Euthanasia Society of America. As for Dewey, it's interesting to note that after Ted Cruz's father, Raphael, referred to Dewey as a communist during the 2016 presidential primary, 
progressive websites went crazy defending Dewey and mocking Raphael, reminding us that Dewey was well-known as a staunch anti-communist. But what they didn't mention was that John Dewey was also an openly and avowed socialist. Big difference? As for Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, it's doubtful that many of today's Americans know just who he was. In addition to being, along with Dewey, highly influential in America's educational system, he was also influential in the progressive eugenics movement. Just one of Holmes' quotes explains a lot. We have seen more than once that the public welfare may call upon the best citizens for their lives. It would be strange if it could not call upon those who have already sapped the strength of the state for these lesser sacrifices, often not felt to be such by those concerned, in order to prevent our being swamped with incompetence. It is better for all the world if instead of waiting to execute degenerate offspring for crime or to let them starve for their imbecility, society can prevent those who are manifestly unfit from continuing their kind. The principle that sustains compulsory vaccination is broad enough to cover cutting the fallopian tubes. Three generations of imbeciles are enough. It is hard to believe that these prominent, highly influential Americans believed the things they did and had so much to do with our modern education system and that these are just a few of the progressives responsible for the re-founding of America's educational system and the re-education of our children. They are the ones that injected the slow-acting poison and then let it run its course for decades. By 1963, not only was religion not taught and prayers not recited in school, but they were replaced in large measure by the secular humanism and progressivism favored by the new educational founders. Next time, we examine in greater detail exactly what the progressive approach to education is and how it has infected America's schools and our children's minds. Glenn Beck. It's the uh, first week of uh, school in many places and uh, important that we look at education uh, and see what happened to education. There's, a lot of this ties into the book Liars, um, the progressive movement. And we were talking about this earlier today. Before Everything we ties into progressives. Everything. 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 From if, if you don't see that the progressive movement has fundamentally transformed America, you, it, they have changed the press. Education. Education. Unions. Banking. Banking. Uh, Boardrooms. Government itself. Everything. Lawyers. Uh, courtrooms. Yeah. Everything has been changed. Pick up the book, the Supreme Liars. Court. Yeah. The Supreme Court doesn't go by the Constitution. They go by case law, which that, was a progressive. Progressive, thing. 1920, Harvard. Um, it, 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 you need to read the book, Liars. It's available in bookstores everywhere. If you like that serial, you are going to love this book. More on education tomorrow. Sponsor this half hour is blinds.com. It is so freaking hot in Texas. Good heavens. I lived in Arizona and I thought it was hot. I'll take Arizona any the humidity day of the week. Is humidity killer. is it's killer. killer here. Because it was, I don't know, was it 90 yesterday? 93, something like that? Humidity is But just it deadly. was. It, it, and this is not Africa hot. This is not even Houston. 
This is not Houston. Houston is worse than yeah. Dallas. Yes. Um, the one thing that can help you, because our air conditioning, I don't know what you guys are running for air conditioning bills, but ours is off the charts. I don't care. It, it I don't either. $7,000 a month. I'm going to pay it. You can save. Uh, you can save. You can, might go to debtor's prison. Yes. Uh, you can save a ton on your air conditioning bill and your heating bill with blinds.com by putting blinds in. Right now, they have the custom solar shades from blinds.com. And through tomorrow, if you use the promo code BECK, you buy three blinds and you get the fourth blind free. But that is only good until tomorrow. Blinds.com. Go there now. Use the promo code BECK. Buy three blinds and you get your fourth blind free now through tomorrow, August 31st. Blinds.com. Promo code BECK. Rules and restrictions do apply. Blinds.com. Promo code BECK. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. I will be macho. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Because we have one. Mercury. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Yeah, we have uh, Burgess Owens, who was uh, with Oakland, I think, coming up in, uh, in just a second. He wrote the book Liberalism, or How to Turn Good Men into Whiners, Weenies, and Wimps. <laughs> he was on with us, um, what, about a month ago? Mm -hmm. And um, I find him fascinating. Um, a... Uh, a black man who is not saying the PC stuff. I'm anxious to hear about what he has to say about uh, the quarterback of the 49ers. What's his name? Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, Kaepernick. I interested to hear what he has to say about that. Um, he was on with us for about a half hour. and We thought this is one really frank, well-spoken, brave, brave man. Mm -hmm. He is joining us when we come back. We are about to have a fascinating conversation with a former NFL champion, uh, a guy who's wearing a Super Bowl ring, which makes me happy because I believe the Super Bowl, I believe he beat this the is agonizing. Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles, did he not, Stu? He has uh, to sit on my couch. Yeah, he has to sit on your couch. It's almost like somebody designed it that way, isn't it? Should be agonizing for Stu, should be great uh, for the rest of us. He's written a new book called Liberalism, or How to Turn Good Men into Whiners, Weenies, and Wimps. <laughs> he is very outspoken and just rock solid without any flame throwing. Um, Burgess Owens, we join him right now. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we have one. I will be my judge. 
fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Let me, uh, let me give you two quotes from his book uh, on page 168. The royalty class black politician. First quote, problem profiteers. There is a class of colored people who make a business of keeping the troubles, the wrongs, and the hardships of the Negro race before the public. Having learned that they are able to make a living out of their troubles, they have grown into the settled habit of advertising their wrongs, partly because they want sympathy and partly because it pays. Some of these people don't want the Negro to lose his grievances because they don't want to lose their jobs. That's Booker T. Washington. Next one. Mm. One of the advantages and disadvantages of representing blacks is their shameless loyalty. You can almost get away with raping babies and be forgiven. You don't have any vigilance about your performance. Member of the Black Congressional Caucus. Mm. Um, Burgess Owens has written a book, Liberalism, or How to Turn Good Men into Whiners, Weenies, and Wimps. Welcome, sir. How are you? I'm very good, Glenn. Looking forward to chatting with you guys. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, you were on with us a few months ago, and you were absolutely fascinating. Let's just start with the news real quick. Okay. What happened in San Francisco this weekend? Where do you stand um, on... On the, Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, the quarterback of the 49ers not willing to stand and then coming out and saying, I won't stand for this country or won't stand for this flag until the country represents what it... Well, it, it, uh, it speaks really more, more so not only just to that young man, but to where our country is today. Um, you know, we, we're at a point where we now can see what's happening through our educational system or lack of education. We have young people who live in the freest country in the history of mankind who can literally, and I don't know if they've got the notice yet, but we have a black president for the last eight years. <laughs> and, um, really? And uh, this young man, I think he just signed a $100 million contract. Mm -hmm. um, we so you have, don't relate to his oppression? Uh, the oppression, is it, it sounds like a communist. It sounds like a socialist. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, and that's really where, I, uh, when I talk about the, 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 the crisis that we are at this point, it's not a black-white racial crisis. It's an ideology crisis. We're dealing with... Uh, whether we're going to accept the idea of socialism and Marxism and, and, uh, and, and atheism or go back to the, the, the American way, the dear Christian values, which meritocracy is part of it, the idea that uh, content and character and talent are colorblind, and that's where we were trending as a nation. Uh, it was. I, I, <clears throat> I grew up down south, so I can look back and say with all pride how I look at our nation. We are a country that always looks to find its better self. And uh, guys that, that uh, I had trouble with, that we fought back in uh, integration, segregation days, are some of my best friends on Facebook today. Because we always look to find our better selves. That's what, as a nation, we've always done. And we have to get back to that. And we can only do it through the Judeo-Christian values of looking at each other the way God does, inside out versus inside out. You were a Democrat for a long period <coughs> of life. And we were just talking about, um, before we went on the air, about how... You um, you protested in the 60s. Were you part of the King protests? Yes, <clears throat> seventh, seventh grade. Mm -hmm. um, we were, uh, I asked my dad, there's two or three of our, my buddies, we decided in school we were gonna go out and protest and I found out I was the only one that showed up. <laughs> but mm -hmm. aside from that, um, I asked my dad if I could go out and do it. And I just took for granted that he would say yes, he'd be proud of me actually. But when he did, he asked me why. 
So he had me to sit down and think mm. through, explain to him why I was going to do this. And that was the, the process that was going through that era. We were told to be, think critically, to ask questions, and to uh, push against uh, different thoughts. And we were doing a good job of it. As a, as a, as a race and as a community, we were one of the best, matter of fact. And uh, that's one of the, the, side, uh, the quiet secrets that people realize, don't realize how successful back race was before integration happened. That's a great yeah. step for parents to take yes. any yeah. community <laughs> now. Because, I mean, you see yes. this all the time, especially with social media. You bring up Facebook. It's like people are constantly sharing stories about, hey, this young person is out there standing up for mm -hmm. what they believe in. And, you know, do they actually believe it? Why do they believe it? Why are they an activist? I mean, being an activist in and of itself isn't <laughs> impressive. It's doing it for a real reason and a real cause that will better society well, yeah, and you better look people. At, you look at Colin Kaepernick, who knows nothing about the issue. Exactly. He doesn't know anything exactly. about what's going on. <clears throat> most of the people there's piles are, of dead bodies in the streets left by police, and that's, that's what he's going on. Most of the people who are running Black Lives Matter, not necessarily the people in the streets, don't but the people who are violent and the people who are running it have... Uh, have either no grasp of the facts yep. or an intentional, uh, intentional disregard. obscuring and disregard for the facts because it's about communism, about Marxism and socialism. <laughs> it's, um, uh, to go back to, to the, the young man, the quarterback, uh, you're absolutely right. When you listen to his comments, it has no, no, no foundation of reasoning no. or context. Uh, he's heard that his people are oppressed. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I think part of it, and again, coming as an athlete, I can remember the tendency of, of kind of becoming an elit elitist because you're doing things that other people can't do. And you wonder, well, I'm here, but what about the rest of the folks? But it's not until you understand the free enterprise concept, the country that allows us, no matter who you are and what your background is, is to go out and dream and struggle and risk and try again that you understand that anybody can do it. So, and, and, and to, to, to a degree... Part of his problem is he's become so wealthy so quick in the way he's, come, uh, he's done it. He has no relationship to really what it takes to, to make it work. How did that transformation happen for you? <coughs> how, did you how did you go from Democrat to, and believing the well, first of all, line that was fed? It was interesting. I was a Democrat, but I still was brought up with conservative values. Mm. And that's what I think people have to understand. The black community had very strong conservative values. And that's still why... Pretty much do. Still do. And that's, and that's why... They just don't know they do. That's why they're being attacked the way they are. Mm -hmm. um, that was the reason, and I, I'm going to segue for a second. What do you mean they're being attacked <clears> right there? Uh, I'm going to segue back to the NAACP. Okay. Um, a lot of people don't realize it was started by, not by blacks, but by 21 white socialist, Marxist, atheist, race-controlled Democrats. And it was a community at that time, Martin Luther King Sr., of Christians, entrepreneurs, patriot, um, industrial blacks that was so focused on education because we were trying to prove ourselves. And that's why the community that I grew up in, 50% of black Americans at the time I grew up were part of the middle class. We had the highest percentage of black men committed to marriage in the early 60s than any other race in our country. Right. The strongest, the highest percentage of entrepreneurs in our country. So in order to, to, to change that, they used stealth. And the attack came from uh, people who really had a, an agenda. A lot of people don't realize this too. The first anti-lynching law in 1918 was, was put together by a, a Republican from Missouri. Mm -hmm. The person who fought against it was the first white president of the NAACP. He's a socialist, and he thought it was unconstitutional. A lot of people don't realize that there was a reason why these people who had nothing in common with my race decided wow. to attack my race and to change the way we were, we were moving. 
And the same thing is happening today with BET. Black Entertainment Television has not been owned by, by blacks for 15 years. White, liberal, the Redstones, Viacom, and they pay $3 billion to have access to my community. And ever since they've done that, it's been anti-white, anti-police, anti-American, anti-family, anti-woman, liberal filth. And the reason they've done it, because they it know... It wasn't that way before? No, it was, it was actually put, they, they put a, another company, Roberts Broadcasting, out of business who was trying to do a, put a positive message in the, in the black community. Uh, between the, the regulations and the Democratic uh, Congress, he actually went to, 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 in front of the Congress pleading for support to take away some regulations because he realized that minorities were being pushed out mm -hmm. and they sat back and did nothing. So you have to understand that there's a party that has a very dark heart. And sometimes as Americans, it's tough for us to understand there are people who actually strategize on misery to help them to get more power. But there are people who actually think this way. And that's what's happened to the black community. And unfortunately, you see the Black Lives Matter today it's because of 15 years of this liberal propaganda. Well, it's also because, honestly, funding from people like George Soros. <coughs> I mean, when the Tea Party, when the Tea Party came out, came out, I remember the Tea Party was funded literally by bake sales and everything else. Nobody had a million dollars. George Soros and his allies, 100 million dollars to Black Lives Matter. Yeah, and and wow. uh, when you think about. We talk about uh, uh, the, the, the ideology. When you think about the concept of Black Lives Matter, <clears throat> and that it comes every election cycle, some, some issues, you have to ask, and this is what I ask my, my black American friends, do black lives really matter when you have 1,800 uh, black babies being aborted every single day? We have 83% of black teen males across the country unemployed. And you have 70%, 83% of black teen males. And Chicago is 93%. You wonder why there's right. so much anger on the streets, right. so much hopelessness. And 70% of the homes now without a father. <laughs> without a father. And, and, and have we heard about this over the last eight years? You no. think about it. No. Has this, this, this should have been the mandate of a national mandate to get the black race back on track and to reconnect it with our past. And people don't know enough, and I'm so glad you're, you're getting that message out, that... The black family unit was the most solid ethnic unit Can in I the tell country you, back for a long time. A lot of people. Are you familiar with Black Wall Street? Yes, I am. Okay. In Oklahoma. Yeah. Black Wall Street is one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. Yeah. Here's African-American community chased out of the South. They go to Oklahoma. They build a city. It was more successful than... Millionaires everywhere. Uh, yeah, millionaires everywhere and it was all black and they had in this small town three major banks they had uh two or three movie theaters i mean it was a boom town and majority owned their own cars when nobody had this <coughs> the democrats and the Klan got a hold of it and burned it to the ground and killed i think two thousand people yeah i mean just slaughtered them and nobody and erased it from history Nobody knows it. 2,000. 2,000. What town was that? This was in early, this, this is in early 18, uh, 19, uh, 10, 19, 12, in that yeah. range, in early. But, but, <laughs> there were some real atrocities in the he, early part of last century. Sure all nobody knows about. All progressives. What, uh, what is interesting, because again, I grew up in a segregated black community, so I saw entrepreneurs around me. You have to understand what happens when you have a young man who sees teachers, academia, business owners, all of a sudden, 
the limitations of our dream just disappear. There was nothing, I, I, there was nothing that I could think about that I, I didn't believe I could accomplish because mm. around me there were people that were encouraging me and telling me. Matter of fact, it was our goal not to be bested. As a race, our goal was not to have any other race to best us. That's how much pride we had in who we were. And so those, <clears throat> those who left Oklahoma were pushed out. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what, what they did, not, not knowing all the details. They went other places and build their businesses because at the end of the day, it was about mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. Uh, they did not trust the government because they realized the government couldn't do anything for them. So they built their own. Yeah. And this is where the integration came in. Yeah, most people don't know. You probably do. I can't remember her name right now, but the, oh, there was an Oprah Winfrey <coughs> before Oprah Winfrey. The most successful woman Walker. in America. C.J. Walker. Yeah. The, first, like the, the first, first millionaire, right? the first, first millionaire, millionaire cross in any in black or white. Yep. First man of uh, self-made millionaire. Woman. Wow. W it was turn of the century America, mm -hmm. erased from history. She died in 19, uh, 1916. That's how far back. Yeah. And see, see what what again to go back to what I was saying earlier. Um, there was a time in which because of the the pride in our country, because of our Christian base. Example, guys, and this is so important. I just found out uh, a couple years ago, my great-great-great-grandfather, Silas, came to this country in, this, in the belly of a slave ship, eight years old. He died as a property owner, a uh, patriarch of his family, uh, built the first church and, um, and school up to seven years, seven, seventh grade, and he was a Republican in Texas. That was the, that was the nature of our race, but we were looking to, mm -hmm. to make sure that people respected us and we showed how strong Americans we could be. That's why like Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah. Uh, my dad was a uh, volunteer to, uh, to be a, uh, a scout in the Philippines. And it was last day, the, the proudest thing he ever he had, had, had ever done, and he did a lot in his lifetime, was he served in the military in World War II. So that was the, the nature of our, of our race. And we can get back to it by getting the message out at the end of the it's, day. It's great that you want to achieve and, and be the best that you can be. But to use that for such a negative outcome as beating the Eagles in the Super Bowl. <laughs> all right, really all something. right, all right. Burgess Owens, uh, the name of the book is Liberalism or How to Turn Good Men into Whiners, Weenies, and Wimps. We'll come back in a little bit more. Now this, protect your home, protect your family, and what's in your wallet. The big home security companies will come and they're going to charge you an arm and a leg. Uh, they're going to give you a free system sometimes, um, but they're going to charge you $40, $50, $60 a month and they're going to lock you into a long-term contract. And then they come in, they drill holes everywhere and they give you a system that you can never get away from because you want to switch to another uh, home security company, then they have to sell you their system. Not with Simply Safe. Simply Safe makes it really easy. It is completely wireless. You own the system. You design the system. And the 24 security is only $14.95. Go there now. You're going to get free shipping on your order and a free keychain remote worth 25 bucks. We use it at my daughter's house. I helped install it. It's, I mean, it's really, really simple. My son-in-law installed it. I well, I sat on the couch while he installed it, but simplysafebeck.com is the place you go. Simplysafebeck.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Eight seven two seven back. This is 
the Glenn Beck Program. We're talking to Burgess Owens, uh, author of a new book, Liberalism, and how to turn good men into whiners, weenies, and wimps. And, and I have to tell you, Burgess, um, it is rare that we meet somebody as well-read as you are, um, that, that really, truly under, who has looked at the roots of things. You know, everybody else is dealing up at the surface, and if they don't understand the roots, I mean, we have done a lot of investigation on stuff, but we have mm -hmm. never looked at the roots of the NAACP. The, it was started by white guys. Yeah. White, really bad white progressives. Yeah. What do you say to people who say, well, that, Burgess, that's not who they are now? Uh, I, I say that there's a law called a law of seed and harvest. And uh, we need to understand there's certain basic things that we're not gonna change and we can't dictate because we want to change. You plant an apple seed, you're gonna get an apple tree. And no matter how we color the apple and how we color the seed, and how we pray over that seed. Good fruit day, doesn't come from a bad tree. It's going to be the same. It's going to be an apple, an apple tree. Yep. When you start off with an, an, an ideology that's based on stealth, lies, um, empathy-free uh, ideology, it's going to end up being that. The NWC started off as a white group of, of Marxist, socialist, mm. atheist, race control. And eugen Democrats. eugenicists. Today it's black, Marxist, racist, atheist, race control, Democrats. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that changed was the color. The ideology, the ideology is the same. That's why when I talk about the Judeo-Christian values in our country, those values are so um, enconched in everything that we do and everything we've been that we, can't not, we couldn't help but become a better, better society every generation because of the values, the seed that was planted back from the very beginning. So we have to just get back to understanding that you know, we can't... How do you do that, though? <clears throat> I mean... Well, I, we, seem, we seem as a nation, both white, black, doesn't matter what color, completely lost and disinterested. That's a very good question. And I got, a, I think, a good answer for you. <laughs> um, it seems like a daunting task. But see, what's happened is the Democratic Party now is like a, a drug addict. It needs the black vote. 90, 95% it needs it. And that's why they'll do anything they can to keep it. Um, I talk in my book about political free agency. If we can get the black, this, this, and I'm going to go back real quickly. In the Civil War, in the uh, War Revolution, there was one-third of patriots, one-third of Tories, and the other third were clueless or cowards. They didn't yeah. do anything. It was the one-third that gave us the freedom we have today. 28% of black Americans today feel the same way I do about our country. We love our country, love our race, we love our kids. We love the future we see in front of us. We just have to begin to think again and not be part of the group think. But how do you do that? Now, I've, I'm up against the break, so okay. we're going to come back, and I want to get an answer to this. Because all of the uh, media, all of the institutions are headed in exactly the opposite direction. Public uh, support and even private support, $100 million to Black Lives Matter. How do you fight that uh, when everything is going in the opposite direction. We'll get to your answer when we come back. Name of the book, Liberalism, or How to Turn Good Men into Whiners, Weenies, and Wimps. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
Welcome to the program. Just a real quick um, thought here before we go back to uh, Burgess. Uh, it was uh, yesterday um, uh, Gene Wilder died. Mm. And uh, there was nobody that was better on screen, at least for me, yeah. that made you feel good than Gene Wilder. Um, uh, this, I, I brought in Willy Wonka's golden ticket today. This is the one that Charlie Bucket found. And I don't know of a more joyful performer than Gene Wilder. He could play crazy, but if that was crazy, you always wanted to be w around him. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, and he went yes. for it in that movie. I, you know, of course, he went for that in all movies. He was fantastic, and I love that movie. That's why Johnny Depp was in such a bad position when he tried to no chance. create that. Uh, no chance. So yeah. bad. No chance. Because everybody compared it to the original, yeah. and there was no comparison. Yeah. Cannot do it. But he sold all out for that. Yeah, that he was, was awesome. Yes. first ever. Yes. I mean, he and, was great. And I didn't know he had Alzheimer's. Did you? No. Did you know that? Yeah, no. Well, he, he, it was reported from his family that after he was diagnosed, um, he wanted to keep it secret. And they said it was because he couldn't stand one less smile in the world. I will tell you wow. that Mary, my daughter, had her great. brush with greatness. She used to work at a, uh, a grocery store uh, when she was uh, first in college. And she worked at a grocery store where we lived in Connecticut. And Gene Wilder lived in our town. And right, right. he came in shopping one day. And she was doing something at the shelves. And she heard this voice behind her. And he said, excuse me, miss, I don't have my glasses. Can you tell me the price on this? And she said, all I could think of is, that's Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah. And she said, I turned around, and it was Willy Wonka. <laughs> and uh, I said, did oh, you yeah. say anything? She said, I've been with you too much, Dad. I just gave him the price and left him alone. <laughs> <laughs> it was really nice. Awesome. We have uh, Burgess Owens with us. Uh, liberalism, how to turn good men into whiners, weenies, and wimps. Um, you are a history teacher, um, and it's fantastic uh, to be around somebody who really knows history the way you do. You're talking about, in case you don't know who Burgess Owens is, he played with the... Um, uh, Oakland Raiders. Yeah, the, the Raiders. Oakland Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders. Was that, National football. Was that the team that defeated the Eagles? <laughs> yeah, it was. The, the Eagles, yeah. In the Super Bowl? Yeah. Is that the Super Bowl huh. ring that you're wearing right now? That's interesting. Right. Yeah, and you got to see. You got an, you have an Eagles. Here. You have an Eagles sweater on, but he has a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> interesting. One got a sweater, one got a ring, but that's a different story. Huh. So um, Burgess is a uh, a black man who was uh, a, a Democrat. Wait a minute, he's black. <clears throat> I hate to notice that. So I know. This. I know. I hate to notice Republican. that. Republican. <laughs> uh, but I wanted him to. I, I wanted to say that in case you happen to be listening to us on radio, because. He is very outspoken um, and knows history and says that we have to find a way to reach the black community. And I don't know how to do that when BET is owned by a bunch of white liberals who, you know, basically are jamming a line down everybody's throat. When George Soros is spending $100 million on Black Lives Matter, when the president doesn't doesn't care, you know, it, it, or I shouldn't say that. He is he is furthering all of the policies that put the black community in 80% unemployment with their kids. Mm -hmm. uh, and when the Democratic Party and all of the institutions around it are progressive and have been um, a destructive force, 
when you have Detroit looking the way it does, and yet you'll have 95% support of the Democrats, what do you do? Well, I, I tell you, first of all, I, I'm, uh, I, I truly believe in the American way. I believe that the Americans will always figure out a way to overcome. And this is going to be the case in, in, in this case here. Um, I think we have to understand that it, it might seem like a daunting task, but we have 28% of black Americans feel the same way I do. We love our country. We love our race. We love our kids. We love other Americans. We're the ones that said proudly, all lives matter. And when those 28% Americans begin to understand what the Democratic Party has done and the fact that we are losing our, our value by groupthink, there's something, there's something that says a lot about the free agency. And when we get political free agents in which we are now putting our values first, our principles first, all of a sudden that 90% goes on 85%, goes on 80% of blacks that will actually every single time vote. And that changes the political landscape. But you, but, but <laughs> I mean, I hate to ra be a little black rain cloud here on your parade, but um, when have you seen any <laughs> Americans of any color standing up for their principles. And, you know, you have 28%, you say 28% believe in these values. But, you know, all studies will show you very few are willing to take a beating to the head to stand when it's unpopular. It's not only unpopular, <coughs> your kind of voice is, is torn apart mm -hmm. and, and destroyed. They will say you're not even black yeah. for saying it. Destroyed. And, and so the answer... Uh, for us to make that, that transition, it doesn't mean that every 12 to 28% have to stand up and be as voice as I am. They just have to start to study and think and to question and wonder and put their principles first. Is that happening, do you think, Burgess? Well, I'll, I'll say this. It's going to happen because a lot of it comes down to education. Just like I, I began as a Democrat, there are people who truly believe in the NAACP. They truly believe that BT is in their best interest. And as we begin to understand, one of the things I do believe is once this minority of black Americans finally get the truth, there's going to be hell to pay, hell to pay. I will tell you, you remember when I was on Fox and I did the Black History Week, um, there wasn't a single, I couldn't, I couldn't scratch my nose without being torn apart in the newspapers every single day, except for that week. I did a whole week of shows, five hours of episodes of black history. Not a peep about it. Not a peep. We thought we were going to be torn apart. Not a peep because it was true. They didn't want to draw attention to it. And they didn't want to draw any attention to it. And I will tell you mm -hmm. that I had two guys on the floor that were, were black. And they were so angry after the first episode. And I thought they were angry at me because during the episode, I could see them turn. Yeah. And I went to them afterwards and I said, guys, did I offend you in some way? They, one of them couldn't even look at me. And he finally turned around and he said, who the hell did this to us? Who has stolen our history? And he told me about how his mother used to try to find heroes that, that were heroes of America and couldn't find them. Yeah. And they were really angry. Well, I'm going to tell you the difference uh, during the time that happened and now. We've had eight years of Barack Obama. We have black Americans, and I have, I have relatives of my own, that have been voting Democrats, but said, Burgess, I'm open. I'm now looking. I mean, they're recognizing that all the promises has been giving has not, has been not come through, but they still do not know what the truth is. So it's really, it is a team effort. And this is what we have to understand as Americans, um, is blacks like myself standing up and being vocal 
willing to take the hits. hits. It's other blacks who don't want to stand up and be vocal, but go into that, that uh, voting booth and they vote their conscience and they vote their principles, even if they don't tell anybody else about it. And it's other Americans that have the courage to allow us to have this voice and have the courage not to apologize for our history. I think that's the, the greatest, the, the most demeaning thing I've seen happen is when you have, have white Americans apologizing for our history, our American history, which allowed us to have the freest country in the history of mankind, and for anybody to apologize to me for my history, because I happen to know my history, and I happen to know that my parents and my grandparents, my great-grandparents, did everything they needed to do to get the respect of Americans. We just need to do the same thing. Well, I will tell you this. I think the most empowering book I have ever read as a white man comes from Booker T. Washington. And the uh, now, if you buy a brand new, I have, I have a first edition copy, and I have a brand new copy. The brand new copy comes with a preface from a Harvard or one of those guys, um, a professor saying, we don't know even how much of this is true about his life. They are trying to discredit him because the, the message in that is pull so yourself up and don't listen to anyone. I understand the racist thought that goes behind that. In other words, Booker D. Washington doesn't have the capabilities or the intelligence right, to do what right. supposedly he, he did. Yes. And that's, that's the subtle message here. Understand this too. The first thing the NAACP did when they came out was attack Booker D. Washington. In today's society, I remember growing up thinking Booker D. Washington was an Uncle Tom. It's because of the progressive did you message. really? Because the progressive message and the twisting of, yeah. these, of the NAACP, of the message that he wanted to have us be independent, strong, and not have to ask anybody for anything. Well, he's attacked in his, in his own day. And he's been attacked ever since. And the, the unfortunately, he, he passed away in uh, 1915. So it gave them enough time to change the message yep. and to change uh, the perception of who he is. So they have... So he's not respected. No. And, <coughs> and, 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 and Frederick Douglass, he's still respected, isn't he? He is. But, um, they don't, but nobody seems to know anything about him. The progressives, they don't ever no, talk it, about him. And he was a perfect example of... Pretty much saying what Black Lives Matter did, uh, or is saying, until he applied himself and said, did I'm going to read homework. these things. Right. I'm going I'm to find out myself. And then he became a wildly patriotic American who fought by the side of Abraham Lincoln. Right. Uh, and, uh, and was still, you want to talk about oppression, was still oppressed by those who were trying to say, shut up, black man. And he went from an opponent to a proponent of the Constitution. Yes. Can I, can I say this? Because uh, I, I think it's kind of fitting. Um, my concept is that because of all these things that's happened and because we now have a race of 28% of black Americans who are frustrated, they're fed up, they still love our country, and all they need to do is be educated, and once they do, they will flip also to realize the Democratic Party has not been their friend. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be interesting if that small group not only pulled our, my community back from the abyss of socialism? Pulled the country. Pulled our country back. And to say the least, that we were the... We came in here as slaves, and we can end up being the, the salvation, literally, of our nation just by... I think Barack Obama could have been. I think Barack Obama... I think Barack Obama will go down in history as one of the greatest missed opportunities in world history. If he were a man who actually believed some of the things that he says in his great speeches, if he actually believed the things that Martin Luther King believed... Yeah. 
he would have united this country and propelled us to new heights unlike what the world had ever seen. Our, our country was ready for it. That's yep. why, that's oh, why black and white, was, our black and whites were saying, this is our chance. This is a, yes. Imagine how he together. could have empowered young black kids uh, to, to dream and to go after their, their goals and not rely on the government and be the person that he became. But he doesn't believe that. But he doesn't. He doesn't believe it. For some and, reason, and he wants to slam the door shut behind him. And that's, that's the thing. We have to understand um, our enemy is not us. It's ideology and it's socialism. Yes. Yeah. It's colorblind. It's class versus, it's, it's, it's class over race. So you have elitist blacks and elitist whites with the same philosophy of using blacks to move forward. So you, you see why uh, the NAACP has, has been silent with all the misery is because at the end of the day, they get their power by tying themselves into white liberals and white, white progressives. So it's, uh, it is truly ideology we're fighting today. Are you on yeah. social media, Burgess? You must get hammered, <laughs> just bludgeoned. I'm, I'm going I'm to give you a, a football analogy. Okay. A football analogy, okay? And, and this is great because I, I grew up, my, my, my parents have just, I've watched principal all my life. And... Um, it's like the, the guy who, who uh, was on the sideline practicing and getting ready. To, he wants to go in the game. He keeps pulling on the coach, let me in. Uh, and, he, and for three quarters, he doesn't go in. And the coach finally turns to him and says, okay, now's your chance. And, and that's kind of where I see, I see this opportunity. It's, uh, I, I look forward to uh, me and other people like me, this opportunity to get on the field of action and take the hits because this is really what we did. This is the time for us to get this done. done That's with. great. At the end of the day, you got to be able to take those hits, though. At the end of the day, it's our country, it's our race, it's our people. And if you put that as a priority, all that other stuff doesn't matter. The name of the book, I mean, if you've been with us for the last 45 minutes, you got to get you it. You got to get this book. The name of the book is Liberalism or How, good, uh, how, how to Turn Good Men into Whiners, Weenies, and Wimps by Burgess Owen. Uh, Burgess Owens, you will love the book, and we love having you. We love having you. You are, uh, you are a breath of fresh air. There's still uh, there's still time in the hour for you to give Stu that uh, Super Bowl ring tattoo <laughs> he's looking for. If for, you, you know, for those who are watching, I was an Andy Reid fan, so uh, I'm yeah, getting a pull for these guys. Believe yeah, me. but not an Eagles fan, strangely. Um, <laughs> now and uh, now this, I just I just want to show you the articles. These are the articles that I've pulled in the last two days. Uh, Jim Rickards, uh, there's going to be a war on gold. What he's saying here is there is the collapse of cash that is around the corner. And as soon as the government figures out that the, the dollar is collapsing, they're going to want to trap you and they will stop the sale or make it very difficult to buy gold. Right now, they're making it almost impossible for you to get your cash out of the bank. He says the next step is once it starts to collapse is they're gonna make it almost impossible to buy gold, so you should buy it now. The sinister side of cash, been talking about this for a long time. This is the getting rid of the $100 bill and trapping your cash in the bank. This one's from the Wall Street Journal uh, over the weekend. Um, a big move has begun. There's some, something fundamentally wrong with the economy. This one, Germans lose faith in banks, rush to buy safes. Uh, the Fed admits another four trillion dollars in QE, quantitative easing, will be needed to offset any economic shock. What do you have? What do you have that you are, that you are prepared to be a, a blessing to your family and not a hindrance? I want you to call Goldline right now, 866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Do it now. This is... 
the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. <laughs> you know, Burgess is amazing. Mm. Uh, two things. Chicago, most violent month in 20 years in Chicago. And that's saying something for Chicago. Oh, you, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Yeah. Most violent month in 20 years. I mean, what's it going to take? 10,000 deaths a month in, uh, in Chicago for somebody to finally say, hey, maybe it's not the guns. Maybe. Maybe there's something else going on. Data shows 93% of black homicide victims killed by other blacks. Black commit violent crimes seven to 10 times the rate of whites. Black crime is more prevalent in the country's largest cities. 6,000 blacks killed by other blacks in 2015. Percentage of blacks arrested for crimes consistent with police reports. Black crime rates were lower in the 40s and 50s than now. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.